0: Psalm 118, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and then 19 through 29. I'd like you to read with me the first seven verses, and then the last couple. And I know when there's a big group, we tend to sort of, let's say these words with pep and energy as much as possible with the big group. This is God's word. It's thanksgiving. Our hearts and our minds and bodies are, are warmed up from singing and worship. So let's say these words from God's words together, the first seven verses, and then I'll continue by myself. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. And then I'll continue with most of the rest of this, and invite you at the very end. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter in and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. And then let's finish it together. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God. And I will exalt you, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Amen. That was incredible. Give thanks, says Psalm 118, and then it's full of reasons for thanksgiving. So nothing too fancy this morning. We're going to see a bunch of reasons for thanksgiving That God's word in Psalm 118 gives us. One of the people I studied who really gave some helpful insight into this Psalm was the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. He lived in England in the 1800s. Charles Spurgeon was a Christian man who suffered a lot in his life, he suffered from depression, often severe. From age 35 on, he had severe gout regularly. And from then on, he was laid up for weeks and even months every year with various illnesses, including rheumatoid arthritis. And from then, from his mid to late 30s until his death at age 58, there was rarely a single moment that he was free of pain. On top of that, his wife Susanna became an invalid at age 33. And from then on, she only rarely could go to Spurgeon's worship services. Despite all of that, he's considered to be the greatest preacher of all time. And importantly for today, despite all that, he was still thankful. Why do I bring that up? Such a, a downer to hear about suffering On this glad day, I bring it up because some of us may have trouble being thankful today because of life situations, because of poor health, because of a struggling son or daughter or grandchild, because of concern about our nation, for any number of reasons. But though in this world we will have and do have trouble, Jesus Christ says, I have overcome the world. And the power of God's Word can cut through all of the junk and reach our hearts and lift our hearts up to heaven. Psalm 118, why do we give thanks? I might not quite reach 10,000 reasons like the title of the sermon and the song we like to sing, but there are a bunch here. First of all, give thanks because God is good. As Spurgeon says, this alone is reason to give thanks. This is really all we need. God is good. God is good. Goodness is his essence and nature, and therefore he is always to be praised, period whether we're getting anything from him or not. In fact, our tendency to thank him only when he does us good needs to be elevated so that we give him thanks because he is good. If you think about it, God alone is good. If other people seem good, he is good. If other people are good to a certain extent in a certain measure, God is good beyond measure. When people treat us poorly, and that happens, that should just make us give thanks all the more because it reminds us He's the only truly good one, anyway, in the world who exists. And when we're reminded of our sin and our shortcomings, how far. We are from being good in ourselves. It should make us thank him all the more because he is good. There are times in our lives when we question his goodness. But this guy Spurgeon who suffered so much says, he says this when we question his goodness, we must never tolerate even an instant of unbelief in our hearts as to the goodness of the Lord. Whatever else might be questionable in this world and in your life, this is absolutely certain, what God's word tells us in Psalm 118, that God is good. Second, we give thanks because his love endures forever. And some Bibles, some translations have mercy here. Mercy is a big part of God's goodness. And that's pretty important because we're sinners who need his mercy. Angels can say God is good, but angels don't need his mercy. So they can't have as much delight in his goodness as we can. Even nature can declare that God is good. The trees, the sun, the water, the stars, all declare his handiwork. But creation can't feel his mercy because creation has never transgressed God's law. But for you and for me, deeply guilty but graciously forgiven, we have reason to give thanks to him for his abundant mercy. Verse 2 says, Let Israel say. Israel was God's Old Testament people. God made a covenant with his people back in the Old Testament times. They broke their relationship with him and sinned again and again. And yet, God did not reject them. And in fact, through them, he sent Jesus so that all who would believe would be saved and enjoy a relationship with God forever. Verses 2, 3, and 4 say, let them now say, in the original. It's not in our translation. Let them now say, his love endures forever. And there's no time like now, like today, to sing praises to God and give him thanks in your life. Third, give thanks because the Lord is with me. That's verse 6. In my anguish, I will not be afraid. And the psalm writer seems to be at a point in his life where there was nothing left to do but cry out to the Lord. Anybody ever been there? Spurgeon says, you can be sure that your prayers of distress and anguish Because they come straight from our hearts, they go right up into the heart of God when you pray them. At least part of the psalmist's fear was people. And sometimes people can be against us in this life. Sometimes our troubles are from people. But I want you to think about it. What what can people do? do to you in this life. They they can't do anything more than what God allows them to do. The strongest, most powerful, most scary, most prideful and haughty person is an ant compared to God. And it sure would be a shame for us as children of God to be afraid or troubled or anxious about an ant. We've got God. Because God is with you, you can give thanks today. A fourth reason to give thanks is because the gates of righteousness are open. That's over in verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. And that refers to the Old Testament temple entrance. And that was meant for God's people to go in and then sacrifice sacrifices of righteousness. The gates were the avenue to the place where people in Old Testament times were made right with God. That's what those sacrifices were about, pointing to God's forgiveness and his acceptance. Those gates were especially for the Israelites then. But in Jesus, the gates of righteousness have been thrown open wide. So there is access to God and his grace for people like us now. And may we say with the psalmist here, I will enter into those gates and meet with the Lord. Verse 21 and 28 is something pretty cool. I can give thanks because the Lord is my God. The Lord is my God. I will give you thanks for you answered me You are my God. It gets very personal there. And it wasn't anywhere else in the psalm. So all this talk in the Bible, this talk that Christians have and believers about God, the goodness of God, a relationship with his God, his mercy, his love and acceptance, you've got to know this morning, it's not just out there. It's not just for other people, this type of life. God's goodness, God's mercy, all of it, it's for me the psalmist knows and he's figured out. He knows God's presence personally in his life. And you can know that today too. You can have a relationship With the Lord of the universe. Give thanks for that today. You've got a friend who's closer than a brother in God. Sixth, we can give thanks because Christ is the cornerstone. That's from verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. This psalm is probably written by king david and he had been rejected by the people in authority but god lifted him up king saul tried to kill david but then what did god do god placed david on saul's throne and the same is true with jesus everyone rejected him he went to the cross But then God raised him from the dead and he exalted him to the highest place. It says the stone the builders rejected. You know, the builders still reject Jesus today. The philosophers, our politicians seemingly, the cultural elite. And sometimes it feels like so many reject him. People don't seem to know what, to build their lives on. They're floundering. They've got weak foundations for living. You've got to know this morning that the way to success, the way to thanksgiving in your life is to build your life on the cornerstone. Build your thinking on him. Build your homes on him. We have to build our nation on him. Build your dreams and hopes on him. Build your finances on him. Build up your children in faith on him. Christ is the capstone. He's the only sure foundation. Give thanks today that we've got a sure foundation in the midst of this changing world for us, for our families, that will last for all our lives and be a sure thing on into eternity. Seventh, give thanks because the Lord has done this. Verse 23, the Lord has done this. Even the tiniest specks of faith in this world, every single one comes from God. Every church that gathers for worship, from Faith CRC here in Elmhurst to house churches in China, Each one exists due to a power from above. Though sometimes we get discouraged when we look around us. We get discouraged when we see people rejecting Jesus. Walking away from the church even. The fact is the Lord is accomplishing His plan, His work, His mission. The end of that verse says, and it's marvelous in our eyes. We see his work. God's work and what he's doing, it's not just in our thoughts. It's not just in our hopes for the future. It's not just in our prayers. It's not just wishful thinking. The astonishing work of the Lord is before our eyes. Jesus reigns. His power is made known He sees you through every hard time. He builds his church and he keeps it strong. His word and his spirit come and transform lives. His love is shared. His people serve those in need and tell others about their Jesus. Even in weakness. In fact, especially in weakness. He makes his power known, and he does his work. We're just jars of clay. Thinking about that is humbling to me. I can say in my life, when I look at my life and my family, I look at the church, I look at this church, which you're a pretty big part of my life you know part of what I'm about what I say when I see it all is this the Lord has done this the Lord may we all be opening our eyes seeing our blessings spiritual material all of it and say the Lord has done this and it's marvelous in my eyes and give him thanks Eighth, and this is finally this morning, we can give thanks because it's a new day. A very, very familiar verse is in the middle of this psalm. Actually, a lot of them are familiar. This psalm is one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We use that verse sometimes at the beginning of worship, at the beginning of any new day. But it's even bigger than that when you look at it here in the sweep of Scripture. Day in the Bible sometimes means and refers to era. And the reality is a new era has commenced. In this case, it was the beginning of King David's reign. And that meant better times for Israel, God's Old Testament people. That era of David's reign and the good times that would come foreshadowed, looked ahead to an even greater one that was coming. The son of David, David's descendant, Jesus, died and rose again to usher in a new day, a new era of grace. You ever feel like you need a fresh start? You've had a rough patch in your life? Maybe a rough few years, whether it related to your family or your business or your work. Well, if you haven't, just stick around a little while. You will. You will. But you know what? You've got a new day. His mercies are new every single morning for his people. A new era can commence in your life when you belong to Jesus. Whether you commit to him today for the first time or whether you need to recommit and reestablish some of the foundations of that commitment in your personal life or with your family. There are better times, and you might have good times right now. You might have good times or hard times. Either time, as hard as your times are, as good and happy as you are, there are even better times ahead for you when you live under the rule of Jesus. I cannot promise you wealth, I cannot promise you health, but I can promise you that Jesus is on the throne, and then when he's on the throne of your life, you will have reason to give thanks. We didn't quite get up to 10,000 reasons, but this isn't the end of the sermon. I want each one of you to go out today and complete the message. Giving thousands of more reasons for thanksgiving. Speak the thanks. Show the thanks. Live the thanks. Can we complete this sermon together in our lives every day? Do it, okay?